Welcome to Marketing with Walker and Grimm, the show about marketing and advertising specifically targeted for those of us in central Pennsylvania. I'm John Walker, and when I'm not doing podcasts, I serve as the Digital Marketing Director at LMP Media Group. And I'm Marcus Grimm. I'm the Vice President of Marketing, uh, Market Growth and Innovation at Benchmark Construction. We're back with Episode 5, and John, five episodes in, we've already learned a critical lesson about podcasting, didn't we? Yeah, what's that? Well, so let, let's, let's work this through. For those of you who are, who are not binge listening to this podcast, assuming you're staying with us on the roughly once a week schedule, John, you and I were knocking it out of the park. We did what? Four episodes? Four right episodes. Around, clockwork. And then you and I decide, well, let's record the next batch. Oh, about three days before that fourth episode drops. Then what happens to you, John? I got sick. And then what happened to me, John? You got sick. And here we are. And so for those of you who've been listening to one episode at a time, they might have thought we were canceled, John. But we're not. <laughs> we, we weren't. And uh, so we're, we're back. We're, uh, we're healthier than ever. My, uh, my voice is huskier than ever. Um, but, but that being said, um, uh, it's a great lesson for us as we figure out this new exciting medium, right? That's right. And, and part of the fun of this is figuring out not only how to do podcasts, but how to use podcasts for marketing. That's exactly right. Which, which brings us to our next point, which is one of the things that we did not do during the first four episodes was beg people to find us on iTunes and rate us on iTunes, frankly, because when we recorded those episodes... We weren't even on iTunes, were we? Right, but we are now. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're also at lmpmediagroup.com, and we're ready for you to follow us there, like us there, binge watch us, or binge listen to us there. That's that's exactly right. We are. Uh, this is the point now where, like every podcaster, periodically we're going to be saying, "Find us on iTunes and rate us on iTunes." And from what I'm hearing from my friends and my mother, John. They particularly loved episode four, so we're going to do the second round of, uh, of a similar format for this one, right? Great, great. I'm excited about this because in episode four, we covered a book, one of my favorite marketing books, The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. And this is a marketing book that was written in 1993 uh, by Al, Al Rice and Jack Trout, great classic of marketing. And we, we discussed these so-called immutable laws of marketing to see if they still apply after 24 years. Yeah, and those people who listened to episode four may remember that uh, we decided that, you know what, we need to really, we need to see if these laws even still apply. So we referred to ourselves as the Supreme Court of Marketing, the court that reviews marketing laws and decides whether or not we can ratify them or not in 2018. Right, and the court is back in session. We are, we are back, we are back. I'm proposing we do it again. So let's review some of those, some of those, some of those so-called immutable laws, and see if they still apply, John. So for people who missed that last episode, or or maybe they just forgot because they were so excited, what we do is we take a look at each one of these laws, and then we say, you know what, a law is a law, but some laws are federal laws, some laws are local laws, uh, because John, you and I both have experience working with national brands, but also with local brands. So we're going to look at each one of these laws and say, does it apply nationally and does it apply locally? Does that make sense? It makes sense. And why don't we go ahead and jump in with law number five. Which one's that, John? Law number five is the law of focus. This law says that the most powerful concept in marketing is owning a word in the consumer's mind. And we're not talking about a complicated word. It doesn't have to be. We're talking about a simple word. And this word is even better if it describes a product benefit. So... Let me give you an example that's been around for a long time. 
When I say Volvo, what word comes to mind? Well, first, when you say Volvo, I, all, I, I think about that movie called, uh, uh, what was it called, Funny People, where, where, uh, uh, the, the, we're the, boxy, but we're safe. <laughs> they're boxy, but they're good. Oh, okay. However, John, you, you have already said what that word is. When we hear the word Volvo, we think of the word safe. That's right. So Volvo spent millions of dollars in advertising as well as uh, product engineering, testing, et cetera, to own the word safe. Um, and, and so that follows um, the law of focus, and, and that is the law of owning a word in the consumer's mind. But let's try another word. All right. When I, or another brand, when I say Arby's, what word do you think of? It's all about the meat. Those ads say, Arby's, we have the meats. You are right. You are two for two. Arby's owns the word meats. Um, but so the question now is, does this law still apply? I mean, uh, this, this law was written, and this book was written, at a time when there were basically three TV networks. Um, national advertising for major brands flowed through many fewer channels and platforms than it does today. People may have had more free time, more mind space. It was a different time. So does this law still apply? You know, and, and John, I, I hate to be the contrarian because I feel like last time I was I was one of those Supreme Court justices that was just getting rid of laws left and right. But, you know, I'm really questioning if if focus to the point of one word makes sense. And, you know, and I even think of, you know, a couple of years ago, Subway was doing it. Subway tried to own the word fresh. But we live in a world today, John, where there is more and more fresh food than we have ever been able to find. And I'm really, I'm really... Tr- thinking to myself that it works if you truly can differentiate yourself. And differentiation is really hard. Like one of the things I was thinking about was I I looked at the history of Volvo, John, and a couple things to to think about here. First off, Volvo didn't just market around the word safe. For instance, did you know, John, ready for a couple trivias? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Trivias? Lay it on me. (laughs) Is that a word? Trivias? (laughs) All right. John, pay attention to these trivia. So in 1959, Volvo was the first car to come out with the three-point seatbelt. Volvo invented hmm. okay. the three-point seatbelt. Didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Not only that, not only that, John, but when the U.S. safety standards were established, do you know what they did? They brought in a few dozen Volvos to determine this is how safe a car should be. So I think it's really important. And, you know, if we go back to episode two and we talked about the, the P's of marketing, you know, product was number one, John. And so, yes, Volvo marketed the heck out of the word safe, but it was truly a differentiated product. So I guess what I want to say, John, is assuming you can be so differentiated in the market that you can truly own that word, I'm going to ratify that law, but I just don't know that that word exists today. You know, I don't know if that, that level of differentiation exists today. I'm actually inclined to, to, to repeal the law both at the national and local level. You know, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, the, my feeling about this is that it was another time. And if you're pushing TV commercials through one of three networks and your commercials are likely beside your main competitors, which it was often the case and, and is less often the case now, especially with, uh, with secondary brands, uh, owning a word could be a, a core part of your advertising strategy. I, th- I would 
uh, repeal it as a law because I don't think it's a law anymore. I think it's a helpful guideline. If you can own a word, if you can focus your message on one word or benefit, that, that is certainly um, a good thing to do. But, but I'm with you. I'm going to repeal the law uh, nationally and locally. Yeah, and just as, just as a final um, explanation to that, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about, John, are, you know, you know, four of the most powerful brands that we talk about all the time on this show and elsewhere. You've got your Google, Facebook, uh, Apple, and Nike. And I was trying to say to myself, do any of them own a word? And I could argue that Google owns the word Google because they've turned it into a word. But I don't even think those four most, four most powerful brands in the world have a word that they own. The law makes no sense. It's repealed. All right, good. Let's let's move on to the next uh, order of business while the court is in session, and that is uh, two other laws. We're going to treat these together, uh, two other of the so-called immutable laws. One is law number eight, which is the law of duality, and law number 10, which is the law of division. So let me explain. The law of duality says that in the long run, every market becomes a two-horse race. So early on, a new product category may have many players, but gradually the latter becomes a two-rung affair. And an example of that would be Coke and Pepsi. Um, but before you, you respond, let me cite law number 10, which relates to that, and that's the law of division. It says that over time, a category will divide and become two or more categories. Further, it says that each of these categories will have a distinct reason for being, and eventually a category leader will emerge in that new category. Goodness gracious, John. That is, that is a complicated bundling of two laws right there. And it is an interesting idea. I mean, Coke and Pepsi, those are good examples. We all remember the, the, the battle of, of the colas. But, you know, I can think of Coke and Pepsi, but, John, guys like you and me, we remember the, we remember the uh, wild, wild west of the Internet. Do you remember how many different search engines we used to have? Uh, let, me, let me see if I can name a few of them. Okay, so there was Excite. I remember that one. There was Yahoo. Great one. InfoSeek. One of the best. Lycos. Not so good. AltaVista. Worse. Inktomi. What about? Ask Jeeves. There you go. Google. And my favorite. Dogpile. Oh, what, whatever happened to dog? <laughs> you know, I was pulling for Dogpile. I, I really, I thought that was going to be the winner, but alas, no. And you know what I, I also remember? I also remember for a short term, there, there was actually one search engine, which would actually search all 10 of those search engines at the same time, just to bring all those results back to you. But the reality is, uh, these days, we, we all think of Google. There's a small smattering of people using Bing, but, but basically it's a Google show. Uh, Yahoo gave them a, a run for their money for a while. It was a two-horse race, um, but today, wow, that is one one dominant player. John, are you, are you surprised at all that a dog pile didn't, didn't come out again? <laughs> well, you know, I, I do wonder what they were thinking with that name. I'm not surprised that they didn't uh, weren't one of the winners. But you know, it's interesting thinking about Google and Yahoo. In a sense, they illustrate both of these rules. So um, Google is the winner. Uh, you know, in terms of coming to dominate a market, you know, sort of boiling it down to a two horse race and then uh, and then dominating it. And you could almost argue that at one point during that race, Yahoo kind of broke off and created a slightly different category, because if you remember, Yahoo became more of a kind of news feed. Um, I mean, they were a search engine, but they were also a, a kind of news aggregator, which Google never was. So I think I think Yahoo looked at the competition and said, we've got to try to break off and start a new category and become something slightly different. 
Uh, but, you know, be that as it may, I mean, Google's the clear winner, um, and, and there's no question about that. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. As we look at this particular law, and, and, I, and I think you were right to describe them both together because I, I think they are somewhat interrelated. Um, this, this law of duality, um, I, I don't really understand the relevance that it has in, in the workplace today um, as far as marketing speak goes. You know, I don't, you know, it, it almost reminds me of when we watched the old movie uh, Highlander, there can be only one, and the law of duality says there can be only two. You know, I don't need to look any further than, than the own world that I'm in right now, commercial construction right here in, in Lancaster County. And off the top of my head, watch this, High Construction, Wilson Construction, Warfel Construction, and of course my employer, Benchmark Construction. You've got four really, really powerful commercial construction companies right there. And honestly, those four companies, uh, Benchmark, we're the young ones in the in the club at 32 years. So, mm. so you know, I, I don't believe in, in this law of duality. Now, the law of division, I think, is really, really interesting because if you do find yourself getting squeezed out of a category, you might be better off just to slide yourself into a slightly different one. So, John, I, I'm kind of thinking that what, what I'm going at here is I just don't get this law of duality. I don't understand it. If you want to argue with me, that's great. Well, let me ask you this. So is it possible that um, for national consumer brands, the law of duality still applies to some degree? Because, you know, I think about cell phone carriers. You've basically got, it, 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 to some degree, it's a two-horse race. You've got AT&T and Verizon. Now, you do have others, but they're, to some degree, niche players. Um, and I think you can find other national consumer categories. And, and what I think happens with those is it becomes a two-horse race because it requires so much capital to market nationally a consumer brand. Interesting. And um, ultimately, the capital flows to one, one major brand or another. And consumers only have a certain amount of sort of mind share to devote to a given decision. I mean, am I going to pick this carrier for my cell phone or am I going to pick that carrier? I really don't need eight carriers, uh, you, you know, and at some point it comes down to uh, one or two. But on the local level, you make a great point about the construction businesses that you mentioned. And, and where I'm leaning is that I think the law of duality still does apply for some major consumer brands that are nationwide. Um, on a local level, I think it's less relevant and, and doesn't really apply. Well, you know what, John, you and I said as we started this this program that when it comes to repealing these laws, you and I had to be in agreement. So we're, we're going to repeal this one at the local okay. level. Um, I But Justice, uh, Justice Walker, I respect your opinion, <laughs> and that law, we're going to keep it in place at the national level. Um, as far as this law of division goes, um, I, I think it. I think it always. I, it makes sense to me that a brand is always trying to carve out its own category. Um, I believe in that law. I think it makes sense. Um, in a little bit here, we're going to talk about you know being careful that your division is not a line extension. Um, but but I feel like that law of division still makes sense at both the national and local level. Would you agree? I agree with you. Outstanding. All right. Very good. Um, well, th these are great points, and this brings me to the final law that we're going to cover, and I want to introduce that law, uh, and then we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and look at that law. So the final law that we're going to look at today is the law of the line extension, which, and this law says that there's always an irresistible pressure to extend a brand's equity into other products. 
but many times this ends badly. This is a pressure I'm assuming that marketing guys like us feel, John, is that right? We feel it because if we have a strong brand, um, if we have a product and brand that's selling, we want to borrow uh, against the strength and awareness of that, attach it to another product, and, and theoretically make twice as much money. But as we will see, it doesn't always turn out that way. But that will be after the break. Sure. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. You are listening to Marketing with Walker and Grimm. Listen to more episodes of this podcast on lnpmediagroup.com. Now, back to Walker and Grimm. Hey, we're back. You're listening to Marketing with Walker and Grimm, the show about marketing and advertising for businesses right here in Central PA. And today we are talking about John's favorite book, The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. John, it's time to talk about another one of those so-called immutable laws of marketing. So uh, which one is next? Next up is law number 12, and this is the law of line extension. So this is the law that says that there's an irresistible pressure to extend the equity of a brand into other products. So one day a company is tightly focused on a single product that's highly profitable. The next day, the same company is spread thin over many products and losing money. Does this ring a bell? <laughs> it sure does. I think I just burped up a little bit of that old uh, Dr. Pepper meat marinade. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, yeah, way better in the lab than it was on the shelves, buddy. <laughs> yeah, the Dr. Pepper meat marinade uh, made sense in concept, but uh, no, you're not going to see that on the shelves today. I'll pass. Thank you. But that's a perfect example of how a strong brand feels they must extend their, their brand into other categories. I mean, it makes me think of Eva Longoria's Steakhouse for Women. Or how about Paula <laughs> Dean's Kids Furniture line? These are actual line extensions. And, and you can imagine that they're tempting because the thinking goes, all right, so, so people like my, my brand. Um, and we're making money selling a product with this brand. So let's add that brand to other products and make even more money. But that often does not work. Yeah, and it's true that the brands have to walk a really fine line. I mean, if the features and feel of a new product are too far from the existing brand, you know, a new brand may be required. We see that with Acura, which is Honda's high-end brand. And, you know, another thing to realize, too, is there are some real business realities here. I mean, we're sitting right here in the studio today, John, of Lancaster newspapers. And it's almost ironic, isn't it, that you and I are doing a podcast audio experience inside an industry that, that was built on print. So sometimes there are very, very real reasons for these line extensions to occur. Sure. Yeah, some of them make sense. Um, I mean, I, I hope this makes sense. I hope that a news organization like LMP that used to deliver its news solely in print is now delivering news in, in video and podcasts. I think that makes sense. Hopefully it does. But the, the auto example that you mentioned is interesting because, I mean, so where did the, uh, the Lexus uh, brand come from? I mean, the Lexus brand came from Toyota, which said, you know what, we want to come out with a high-end brand, but people don't associate the Toyota brand with, with high-end luxury. Um, and they were smart enough to know if we're going to come out with a high-end luxury brand, it needs to be a different brand than Toyota. Well, and, and I think what, what, we're, what you're getting at here is really understanding, okay, sometimes marketers like us have ideas like, oh, I bet since people love this, they'll really love that. And those are the line extensions that I believe the law was saying we really, really need, need to be careful about. Absolutely. And I, I got to tell you that as marketers, and I think you and I both uh, – 
uh, can vouch for this. It's easy to stay inside your own organization and stay inside your own head. It's, it's easy to think too highly of your product to some degree and say, you know, we love this product, we're aware of this product, this product is selling well, all we have to do is attach this brand uh, to another product and it will sell well too. And I think the lesson is you have to uh, you have to see it from the customer's perspective. I, I think that's absolutely right. So I mean, th this is actually um, and this is the final law in the book that, that, that we're planning on discussing. And quite frankly, I believe in what the law says, which which is that pressure is very very real, and you want to be careful. It does not mean you won't do a line extension, but it means uh, you know what? It's probably going to be a lot harder than you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So are you saying that you're going to ratify this this uh, immutable law? I, I feel like if we don't ratify this particular law, that maybe the authors of the book would come after us, and I don't need that. I agree, and not only that, but Dr. Pepper might launch another meat marinade. Which would be even worse. Yeah, we don't want that to happen. Okay, so we're going to ratify the law. Absolutely. Now, this brings us to the end um, of, of this section of this episode, and, and you know what that means. It's time for the challenge. That's right, the weekly challenge. So I get to ask you the challenge question this week. Outstanding. All right, so we've been talking about the 22 immutable laws. We've been talking about the laws of line extension and, and the fact that brands have to be careful about what new products they attach their brands to. So the quiz question for this week is I'm going to give you the name of a, a highly esteemed local brand, a, a brand that's well-known, well-established in Lancaster County, and I want you to tell me what would be a line extension that would make sense for this product, uh, for this brand, and, and maybe one or two that would not make sense. Outstanding, outstanding. All right, so the brand that we're talking about today is Isaac's Restaurant. Isaac's Restaurant. Outstanding. Well, actually, I'm going to I'm going to give you just one idea that because I feel like it's so obvious, but then I also want to play devil's advocate for my own idea. Is that okay? Sure, certainly. Okay. So, um, first off, um, do you know what my favorite sandwich is at, at uh, Isaac's? The Ibis. That's a good guess, but no, I'm going to go with the Mallard. And the Mallard right. is one of those handful of rest uh, handful of sandwiches on the restaurant with that world famous or at least Lancaster County famous. Ike's sauce. Okay. And I don't know how you can eat at Ike's or at uh, Isaac's restaurant and say, why can I not go into the local grocery store and get me a jar okay. of Ike's sauce? I like where this is going. But all that being said, John, um, I don't know that Isaac's knows the first thing about manufacturing. Okay. I don't know that they know the first thing about wholesaling. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they know the first thing about how to deal with um, wholesalers or distributors and all those things. It seems to me that because the Ike sauce is so good, I bet there's people at Isaac's who are just saying, we've got to get that into the grocery stores. And maybe they should, but I think what you and I are saying on this episode is it might not be the layup that you're thinking it is. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So you're, you're saying that Ike sauce makes sense perhaps from a brand standpoint. Now, if, if it does make sense from a brand standpoint, could, a, could, a, could an organization like Isaac's partner with somebody or maybe license the name? And that's exactly the way the smart guys do it. You know, you talk about, you talk about media brands and, you know, the Playboy brand, for instance, um, has made a fraction of their money in, in print for the past umpteen years because of that licensing. You know, you see that Playboy bunny on everything from air fresheners to to t-shirts etc you know 
there's, there are smart ways to do line extensions. And if I were in charge of the Isaacs brand, man, I'd be wanting that Ike sauce in the stores, but I'd be looking at doing it that way. Okay. Makes sense. Fair enough. Um, anything else you want to add uh, related to line extensions in Isaacs? Well, you know, um, uh, I, I do think it, it, it's interesting. You know, you, you see the, the, the colorful out outfits, the T-shirts that they have there. And, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, I think about, you know, when you go down, when you go to certain towns and, and the T-shirts, the attire is very, very popular. You know, I'm sure Isaacs maybe has been tempted by some, some apparel or, uh, or, or who knows what else. Or, or maybe even a, a sponsorship of a, a placement. Matt, um, of uh, birds to, to, you know, birds that you could see inside Lancaster County. But um, I'm sorry, John, I just can't go further than the Ike sauce right now. That's, that's I'm with you. I think you are headed into the Dr. Pepper meat marinade territory <laughs> with those ideas. So, yeah, I agree with you. Um, licensing a sauce makes sense. Uh, good answer. Um, okay, so you know what? That brings us to the end of this episode and the conclusion of our of our look at the twenty two immutable laws of marketing. I didn't I didn't count exactly what we did, but near as I can tell, we may have made a lot of people less interested in that book. And you know, I, I think it's really important to think about that when you look at marketing. You know, some of those laws may not apply today. But it's also really important to understanding the how marketing came to be what it is today. So, you know, I would still say that um, if nothing else from a pure historical const, uh, construct, you definitely should give it a read. Fair enough. All right. Well, that brings us to the end. Thanks for listening. To listen to all our podcasts, please visit lnpmediagroup.com or find us on iTunes and Google Play. And please subscribe. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.